0: Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This is a chance for local people or people with a local connection to sit down and talk about what is going on with them in the Fishers community. This is a part of my local Fishers, Indiana news blog that began in January of 2012. I started these podcasts in 2016 and have been going ever since. Now, here's the latest edition of the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm here at the Hamilton East Library in Fishers with Kelly Yang. Kelly Yang is author of many books. I've just finished reading her book, Front Desk. She's appearing here at the Hamilton East Library just a few minutes after we record this today. Kelly, welcome to Fishers.
1: Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here.
0: Well, We're glad to have you here. And I want to... Talk for just a a few moments about your book, Front Desk, and about what it's trying to say to people uh, of that age. Because the character in the book is named Mia, a 10-year-old Chinese immigrant girl. Uh, She's here with her parents, uh, and they find a job managing a hotel in California. And they feel like they've been struggling. This is their big break. They're going to have a place to live. And they think all their problems will be solved, but it didn't work out that way. So I'm curious. You did put a little postscript in the book at the very end about how Mia and yourself have—there are some similarities there. So talk about how you came up with this character and, and, and how you went through the process of, of uh, putting the story together in the book front desk.
1: Yeah. So in real life, my parents and I uh, came over to this country when I was six years old. And for about five years, from when I was eight to when I was 12, we did manage motels in Southern California. And one of those motels was in Anaheim, where the book is set, um, really close to Disneyland. And I did get to manage the front desk as a young child, which I'm sure the customers were not always thrilled about. But (laughs) I had a great time. And I really wanted to share the experience of my childhood with my son, because I had never told anyone growing up. And that's because I never really read a book like Front Desk when I was a kid. And so I always thought that maybe the way we live was kind of weird, and should be kept a secret. Um, I was kind of ashamed of it, and I didn't really tell any classmates or teachers or even my favorite librarian. And when I became a mom, I realized, this is kind of silly, you know, I had a magical childhood. It was amazing. I got to deal with customers, I got to drink whatever I want from the vending machine, and I mean, it was fun. So I wanted to write the experience down, um, and it was sort of the summer of 2015, and I remember writing it for Elliot.
0: Well, you talked about the customers uh, not being able to necessarily handle a ten-year-old at the motel front desk. <laughs> what about that ten-year-old? I mean, uh, there were some really nice stories, but there were some scary moments for the for Mia, and I assume that happened to you as well.
1: Yeah, it's a big responsibility, and it's a little terrifying when anyone can come into basically your house, because we were living in the, what right behind the front desk. We were living in the manager quarters, which was connected to the front desk. And I remember being kind of terrified at night because um, the motel owner that we were working for, he insisted that we keep checking people in um, at all hours in the night. And so my poor dad had to get up, uh, you know, like three, four, pretty much, I don't think he ever really had a full night's sleep. And I remember waking up just going, oh, my God, did something happen in the middle of the night? Um, but for the most part, we, we had very amusing customers. We had wonderful people who stayed there by the week. We called them weeklies. Um, and for the most part, it was it was an, a really interesting adventure. You know, we really bonded with our customers, and we became like a little family.
0: We're here at a library, and, I, and before I get more into the story, and there's a lot there. You have a section at the end of the book. It's about how books and libraries changed your life. So how did books and libraries change your life?
1: So I had a bike that I would ride from the front desk of the motel to the library. I went to the library pretty much every day if I wasn't at the desk. And it changed my life because I learned how to read and I really wanted to learn how to write. Um, My my parents were first-generation immigrant parents and they didn't know how to really support this love of English. Uh, They were really unsure what to do with it. They thought maybe this was possibly going to be an uphill battle for me. And they kind of always told me, maybe you should try, you know, math instead. My mom was an engineer in China, and she really loves math. I mean, even to this day, she's just obsessed with math. And, I mean, I just really, really, really loved the language of English. I love that you can put words together and make metaphors. And it was so interesting and fun and creative. But there was really no one to really support me at home. Um, so growing up at the library gave me... The confidence, you know, gave me the courage to, to sort of try because I had a librarian who really believed in me. He kept giving me books to read. He kept asking me what those books were, what I thought of those books. You know, he really took an interest in what I had to say. And that was a rare thing. And I was like, wow, this person really cares about what I think about the story. Maybe I should give this more of a chance.
0: One thing I had in my mind when I read this book, and you you spent a lot of time not just about Mia the the 10-year-old but about the entire family's challenges as a first generation family emigrating to America and and my I thought about my own family because I, all four of my grandparents had different ethnic backgrounds Irish German French and and Welsh so uh, some of them had language barriers some of them didn't but but uh, and i really wondered about what challenges they had integrating themselves into American society. And this book you wrote, Front Desk, is is, is classic about some family trying to integrate into American society. Yeah, Mia's mother is, is a fan of math and wants Mia, as your mother did, to, to focus on math and not on writing English. So uh, what should young people, what are you trying to teach them? What should they learn from Front Desk about what it's like to be a first-generation American.
1: I think I'm really just trying to show kids and readers um, of all ages that you know we might come from many different places, but. We're really not all that different, you know. We have the same hopes and dreams. Um, we have the same challenges, very similar challenges going on day to day. Um, and you don't have to be an immigrant to feel sometimes like you're a fish out of water, you know. When you every time you move to a new school or a new community, you know, you have to start all over. And those are the things that they go through in the book. So there's a lot in the story that really resonates with so many people all over, really all over the world. Um, But I love that it gives this window into the life of an immigrant so that people can, you know, get a little more empathy and understanding. I think that sometimes it's hard to understand what your neighbor is going through. It's hard to understand what that classmate across the classroom is going through. Um, But books start conversations. They help us bond and connect. And that's what's so beautiful
0: about them. You know, at one point in this book, Mia's mother explains that life is not fair for immigrants. And uh, did you personally find that the case as you and your family were trying to integrate yourselves into American society?
1: Yeah, my mom would always say, you know, life's not life's not always fair, especially for us. You know, if if there's a hard way and and an easy way, like a shortcut, like we should take the hard way because the shortcut's probably not going to work out. (laughs) And I think, you know, I think there's, something to be said for that it is it is hard and you know it is something that we we didn't really ever question like why did we have to work in a motel uh, we really threw ourselves into the job it was a really hard job you know it was very demanding extremely long hours I mean really non-stop hours but we threw ourselves into it because you know we wanted to go for that American dream and we wanted to work hard um, and that was something that, you know, talk, it gets talked about in the book, is this idea of, you know, how do you then access a better life? Like, if you're constantly in this grind, how do you access a better life? And that's something that's put to the test, you know, is it, is it accessible for everyone? I think Mia, through her voice and through her extreme superpower of organizing the whole community and rallying everyone, you know, she moves mountains. And I, I do think that in this country, even today, we can definitely move mountains if we really wanted to.
0: Yes, resilience is a great word for her family and for Mia, and you're right, an organizer. She is at the age of 10, an amazing story. One theme I find in this book, Front Desk, is that it's confronting racism in many, many different ways. Uh, You not only illustrate Chinese family members coming to America, struggling, coming to Mia's parents for help, and they do what they can, uh, but a prominent character in this book is, is a man named Hank, mm-hmm. an African-American man. And, and Mia and Hank befriend each other. Um, and, and, and she sees racism not only with her own family, but sees what Hank has to go through. Which I won't get into the details of the book. You can read the book and get more out of it. But uh, you're clearly making some very specific statements in this book about racism. So talk about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think part of the story is a family that's kind of doesn't know anything about America, has only watched the version of America that they've seen in the movies and then comes over and they have to learn they have to learn not only just how the economics works but you know how it works racially because that's something they've never had to encounter before in China like in China everyone is Chinese so there's not a lot of racism day to day that a normal Chinese person would encounter however here you know you are a different person from everybody else around you. Mia is one of um, two Chinese kids in her class. The other Chinese boy is the son of the motel owner that she works for. And so life is suddenly, you know... Complicated. There's different nuances she has to learn, and she learns about not only how this affects her, but also affects um, even someone who's born in this country, um, but you know has a different skin color. And I think that those are the conversations you know we we should be talking about with our kids because it is a reality for a lot of people who live in this country.
0: Well, yes, and the relationship. I think his name was Jason. Yeah. Yeah. It was the motel owner's son. She's surprised to find him in her class, and. Their relationship evolves.
1: Yeah. Throughout the book. Does yeah. It I love, I, that was one of my favorite parts is the relationship between Mia and Jason because she starts off just really hating Jason and Jason is a total little turd to her. <laughs> he just just oh my God, you know, he really tries to make her life very difficult in school. And and it's it's so hard for her because you know there's so many things that impacts at home because his space he's basically you know her boss in a way, and she still has to find her own identity at school her own strength her own voice, um, and I love how her whole relationship evolves because that's really the test of empathy you know like can you can you actually get to know someone who you normally would really hate, you know, for whatever reason, your preconceived notions of them, you know, their first impression with you was really bad, or maybe they made some horrible remark, but do you have the empathy to start again? Do you have the empathy to find something in them that is worth exploring?
0: Well, I, the real heavy in the book is Mr. Yao, mm-hmm. Jason's father, who is the motel so he owner. He evolves as the he actually, Well, he <laughs> evolves not as much, but he yeah. does evolve some. And the, I won't give the ending away. I, I keep reading this book, how is this going to end, and you give a really interesting ending to the book. I really like that. But Mia's best friend throughout the story is Lupi. Mm-hmm. Her Lupe. Fa- I'll try to pronounce it correctly. Her family is from Mexico. Uh, interesting that when they first meet each other... They They both lie about their lives at home. Lupe Lupe says that she has uh, dogs at home. She has none. Uh, Mia says she has a swimming pool. There is one there. She's not allowed to use it. But their relationship uh, has some problems but does evolve as well.
1: Yeah, Lupe is fantastic. You know, she's, it's just so funny because the two are portraying these totally false narratives to each other. And when they eventually do tell the truth, they can be finally best friends based on truth, not just a bunch of lies, which is really funny. Uh, But Lupe, you know, she has been, he's also an immigrant, she's been here longer, so she you know, she throws out her own notions of this country. She's the one who says, you know, I think there are two roller coasters in this country, one for the rich and one for the poor. And that's a notion that gets tested by Mia because she, she hears that and she's like, huh, okay, well, that doesn't sound... That doesn't sound very good for me. I'm on stuck on one. How do I get off this track and go to the other one? And the whole book is really kind of testing. And the whole series, I would say, because this is the first book of um, several. So it, it pretty much tests this theory, this theory of hers.
0: We've uh, just scratched the surface of the book. Uh, it's certainly written, I think, a lot for 10-year-olds, but I read it as a 71-year-old guy. <laughs> Very much enjoyed reading it. So I guess my final question to you is what's what's next for Kelly Yang?
1: That's a great question. Um, I just uh, I just wrote a book which is coming out in February called Finally Seen. It is very very emotional. It is also about a girl who's coming over to this country for the first time, but she's joining her parents and her sister who she hasn't seen for five years because they came before her. They came here first, and so she's kind of like immigrating to a new country and to a new family. Um, And finally, when she's here, you know, it's not at all what she expected and lots of things are happening. But it is set in modern days. So we're dealing with some modern issues. Um, And I'm right right now. I'm just thinking about, you know, what is the what is the next book for me? I don't know. But we're you know, I'm taking it day by day.
0: (laughs) Kelly Yang, very happy to have you here in Fishers. Thank you very much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much. This was wonderful.
0: Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you like the podcast, please let others know. You can find it on most platforms where you go for podcasts. Just search using this phrase, Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. Also, if you listen on a platform such as iTunes, please take a moment, rate, and comment on my podcast series. So thanks for listening, and please be safe and be kind.